Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. An assumption that I use today is that each person has within them an abundance of untapped potential. Mm. And then I look at myself and I see myself as somebody who unleashes hidden potential in people. And then I invite people that I work with to look at the world in the same way. When you actually assume that people have that potential within them, then you'll see things come out of them. I know you well enough to know that you have much potential within you. And you're in this podcast to unleash it. Yes. Welcome to Universal Grace. I am your host, Nadine Grace. Universal Grace is a dose of personal development and spiritual truth to help you become the best and greatest version of yourself. I share real talks with global game changers, thought leaders, and high-performance experts in this raw and unfiltered transformational podcast. I know that we're all capable of becoming the very best version of ourselves. We just need to remember who we are and believe that we are worthy and deserving of an extraordinary life. I am here to awaken you to your infinite potential and inspire you to unlock your inner greatness and live your best life. You ready? Let's get started. Hi, everybody. This is Nadine Grace, and welcome back to Universal Grace. The guest that I have today is going to speak about constructivism epistemology. He uses it as a tool to affect change in leaders through brief interactions. Keith learned from Dr. Robert Shaw, a psychiatrist who studied the master's in psychotherapy. Keith Weedman invented it as a disciplined practice to affect change as a manager and a leader through brief interactions. He was a catalyst for welfare reform and presented at two national conferences. Since he launched his company, he has developed a course curriculum to teach small business owners how to affect positive change in the people they lead, serve, and love, and also in themselves through brief interactions to evoke positive emotions within others and generate positive emotions within themselves. So welcome, Keith, and thanks for being here with us. So why is constructivism epistemology so important to you and what is it? Great question. What it means to me is it's a different way to look at the world. It's a, a way to shift your relationship with knowledge and it's also a way to shift your relationship with perceiving. Most people are hooked on whatever they know. They believe their knowledge reflects the world. Actually, knowledge is much like beliefs knowledge can be limiting. You can apply knowledge when it's useful and you can learn to set it aside when it's not. I can help you learn how to do this. When it comes to perceiving, most people perceive the world in multiple ways. They perceive people and situations in multiple ways and their criteria for figuring out which way that they choose is based upon accuracy. 
I will teach them a different way to own perceiving. When you own perceiving as creative act, then you can still look at the same different ways of perceiving the world and recognize that there's multiple ways that more or less fit reality. And then you can pick one, recognizing that the choice you make affects the outcome. Beautiful. So you said that you, you look at perceiving as a creative act. Can you like go a little, explain that in a little more in depth? Yes. When I say it's a creative act, a different way of thinking about what I mean by that is that you can perceive any person or situation in multiple ways that more or less fit reality. Mm. And then you can select a way based upon what is more useful to help you and the people you lead and the people you serve to be able to lift themselves up and lift others up. So seeing really reality through a different lens based on the information that you have received and how you are using that information to view the world and also to, to view yourself? You could say that it's like treating yourself as being a true scientist and applying what you know about science in leadership and management. And when you do this, you can't prove anything. You can simply disprove something. That's why I say you pick a way of perceiving that mm. more or less fits. Yeah. So take me through a time, my um, our listeners and myself, through a time where you have used constructivism epistemology um, to basically teaching it to someone and it actually, and seeing the way that it actually, I remember you telling me a story about a young man who you have taught this particular method to, and he was leading down the wrong path and he was able to use this information and change his life. Can you, can you tell that, share that story with us? Yeah, this, this story is actually the story that changed my life too. What happened was I'd taken an eight day course called Mastering Psychotherapy. I was the only one in the training that didn't have any education in mental health. I was a bachelor of science in industrial management because I didn't have the knowledge that everyone else had. I was much more readily able to grasp what the instructor was teaching. He was teaching us that the people that are masters have a different set of assumptions about what's possible. What they believe and consider possible, most people don't believe is possible. Mm. And the, what I invented from this course is I invented my first useful assumption for the welfare system where I used to work. I was a manager in the welfare system within Montgomery County, Indiana. And the assumption that I invented was that each person is interested in and capable of becoming self-sufficient. Mm -hmm. I didn't have to wait very long to test out how effective this, this useful assumption was. There was a commotion in the lobby. And typically as the county director, I was the authority figure. I would step in to intervene. And when the authority figure steps in to intervene, people typically calm down. Mm -hmm. When I stepped in to intervene, Mike didn't calm down. What he said instead is either you give me my food stamps or I'm going to beat the shit out of you. Let me mm -hmm. tell you what I knew about Mike at the time when he said these words. I knew that he had had a felony conviction on his record. I knew he'd spent time in prison. I knew he once attacked a detective from behind with a knife. Mm -hmm. I knew whenever there was a domestic service that involved Mike, that they always sent two squad cars, which meant four officers 
because they knew if Mike was involved in domestic disturbance, there was a good chance an officer could be injured. I also knew that he, I got more complaints about Mike than all the other clients combined. Mm. He used to go around the community bragging, why should I work when I get food stamps? I used to believe if we could shoot 5% of the people that received public assistance, they could work, the system could work for the other 95% because it was those 5% that gave a bad rap mm -hmm. to everybody else. And I used to believe that Mike was the number one person that we ought to shoot. Mm -hmm. When I was, when I confronted him, I got him on the lobby and then I took him into my office and I closed both doors knowing then that somebody was gonna call the police. I just had to buy 10 to 15 minutes of time at max. When 15 minutes passed and the police didn't come, I knew, oh my God, I'm in trouble. People believe that I can handle Mike. I spent 90 minutes that day with much of the conversation going something like this. If he beats the tar out of me, I'm gonna have him arrested. If I'm arrested, he's gonna make bail money, come back and beat the tar out of me again. You talk about a lose-lose situation. My armpits were pouring down sweat. I had a sport coat on and I had a tie on that day too. And, and it's sweat got through my shirt and got to my sport coat. It was really nasty. And I was able to get myself out of that situation that day, somehow, some way, without giving him his food stamps because that would have been theft. He had to go back through a process to reestablish his eligibility even though he used to complain, why should I work when to get food stamps? He was entitled to them because he qualified for them based upon his financial circumstances. When he came back in 30 days later, he and I small talked in the lobby, somehow in the process of going through this intense encounter with each other, we bonded with each other. We're warm and friendly with each other. And I thought to myself, who better than to try this useful assumption out than on Mike? Mm -hmm. I, I then said to him, how about me helping you get a job? He said he wouldn't do janitorial work that was beneath him. He wouldn't work in a factory because that was too hot and sweaty. Then he said he thought it'd be really cool to drive around town in a bread truck. And he left the office that day thinking I was going to help him drive around town in a bread truck. I thought about it after he left and I decided he's too picky. I didn't do anything. When he came back in 30 days later, we bumped into each other in the lobby again. This time he popped the question. He asked me how his job search was going. I told him I haven't done anything. He said, how come? I said, you're too picky. He said, what do you mean I'm too picky? I said, you won't work in a factory. Without any hesitation whatsoever, he looked at me right in the eyes. He said, I'll work in a factory. I didn't get him a job. I got him an interview and he wanted that job so bad that in spite of all the reasons, the foreman could have said no. The foreman took a risk and hired Mike. Mm. What a I, powerful story. I started getting phone calls about Mike once a week from the HR manager. Mike is knocking himself out to impress his foreman. Mike is outperforming everybody on the line. When I bumped into Mike 30 days later, I said, hey, Mike, I want to take you to lunch. It was the first time that Mike responded in a different way. I learned that he was completely paranoid to go into a restaurant. In spite of his paranoia, he went with me anyway. And while we were in the restaurant eating, he darted his table, his glance from table to table to see who was looking at him. 
He had no idea that he was actually drawing people's attention to him. It was a self-fulfilling prophecy with a negative effect. He didn't like to go into restaurants because he didn't like people looking at him. He had no idea that he was drawing people's attention to him by the way he darted from table to table. Yeah. What a powerful story. So something shifted in Mike. His paradigm was shifted based on the brief interaction you had with him. And what I learned about Mike in the process of getting to know him, I learned he didn't like to be critically judged by others. And whenever he felt he was critically judged, he would react with the, why should I work to get, because I can get food stamps. He knew by saying that he would get under people's skin, but it was a reactionary stance. It It really wasn't that he didn't want to work. He didn't like being critically judged. So he would go back to the story that he kept telling himself um, to get that negative reaction because he was sending out that negative energy out to the people that he was meeting. And something obviously changed in him because now he's outperforming most of his colleagues and he's now in a better mind frame, if you may say, a more, a more positive mind frame. So if mm-hmm. this is able to work for Mike, who was a, a, an ex-convict and someone who was very volatile, then this, do you agree, can, also, can work for anyone? Yeah, this is why I went to graduate school. I figured if, if I could do this with Mike, mm-hmm. I could change anybody. And yeah. that took me to graduate school. That's amazing. So what are some of the tools would like what what are some of the tools like our listeners listening would you use to effect that type of change what are some of the tools that are involved in epistemology constructivism hopefully i'm pronouncing it correctly yes uh, some of the tools one tool that i learned first was useful assumptions mm-hmm. you can invent any assumption you choose to and most people don't utilize assumptions because they think of assumptions as something bad you can actually invent a useful assumption instead. An assumption that I use today is that each person has within them an abundance of untapped potential. Mm. And then I look at myself and I see myself as somebody who unleashes hidden potential in people. And then I invite people that I work with to look at the world in the same way. When you actually assume that people have that potential within them, then you'll see things come out of them. I know you well enough to know that you have much potential within you and you're in this podcast to unleash it. Yes, absolutely. That just brought chill down my spine because you said everyone has the potential to, to make, to be the best version of themselves. That's what we're all striving for, whether we know it or not, we're all striving to be the very best version of ourselves. And sometimes it takes someone like you to, you know, believe in someone like the Mike story to have him believe in himself. Like, listen, you are, you know, you can become the best version of yourself. You can tell yourself another story and and have that belief in yourself and send out that positive energy to the universe to bring, because like you said, he would be afraid. He would, he, he didn't like restaurants because he thought people would always look at him. That's because he was having that negativity of himself feeling unworthy and undeserving and everyone thinks you know I'm this bad person and then once his paradigm was shifted he understood the value 
that he was bringing to the world. And now he's doing, you know, amazing things. So this is absolutely a, a wonderful story to, I mean, it's a wonderful story, but also a wonderful tool to a lot of people who want to tell themselves a new story, who are trying their hardest to become the best version of themselves, but they don't know where to, where to go or how to start or, you know, what should I do? So what, what does your morning routine looks like? How do you, what does Keith do when he wakes up in the morning? What do you do to keep yourself centered and moving in the right direction to stay fired up? Well, I've got to give credit to Tony Robbins for this. I now get up at 5.30 in the morning. The first thing I do is I take a three minute cold water mm. shower. Then after that, I prime and then I do 15 minutes of yoga. And then I set my goals for the day. That's how I start each day. Yes, isn't that something? Your morning routine sets the tone for the rest of yes. your day. Yes. I recently started reading the 5 a.m. club with Robin Sharma. And he mm -hmm. talks about the importance of waking up at 5 a.m. and working out and especially like doing a rigorous workout where you sweat because when you sweat, he says that you, and hopefully I'm um, quoting him correctly, you um, kind of get rid of your fear hormone cortisol and mm -hmm. raises up your inspiration, inspirational hormone. And I started doing that. I started waking up and someone <laughs> like, I like to sleep in late, but that doesn't serve, that, that doesn't serve the mission that I'm on. So I'm, I wake up in the morning at 4.50, jump on my bike, exercise really, you know, rigorously for mm -hmm. at least 20 minutes sweat. And I see the huge difference it has on my day going forward. I'm very, you know, positive and, and, and seeing the world like in, in a more positive lens and just ready to take on the world. So I think having like a positive uh, routine, morning routine to get your day started actually, you know, kickstart your day and have you approach the day in a more, um, what do you call it? In a more warrior. Yes. <laughs> fashion yeah so what would you tell yourself what would you tell your 18 year old self that what you know today like what would you tell your 18 year old self what lessons I would, I would tell my 18 year old self to own perceiving as a creative act and to own your ability to set aside knowledge because mm -hmm. knowledge can be limiting I would also tell my 18 year old self that you can generate positive emotions within yourself simply by doing things that are of service to others. Yes. When you lift somebody else up, whenever I lift somebody else up, I evoke, I generate within myself positive emotions, joy, self-fulfillment, self, uh, mm -hmm. and passion. Those are my three. What about you? What do you generate within you? What would I tell my 18 year old self? Yeah. I would tell my 18 year old self to, to believe in herself, to, to, to know that she's enough. She's enough. And it's, and it's okay to be different. It's okay to think differently. It's okay to love, to love myself intensely to not to look for it outside because first we have to find the love that we have within ourselves and to, to really believe and know that you are worthy and deserving. Because I think that's what I was lacking at 18 years old, not feeling that I was enough. Not. But, mm -hmm. but think about what you do now and how what you do now, I'd be willing to bet that you generate positive emotions within yourself 
by doing what you do now. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. It is my passion. I believe that I was, I, I, I believe I'm on this earth to help people really remember the badass creators that they are and step fully into their fullest and highest and truest expression of, of themselves. So I am very passionate about putting out information out there and helping my listeners, people and others taking that information and change their lives, implementing, you know, things, because if we keep doing the same thing over and over again, that then, and then expecting different results, then we're considered insane. So just really look at life in a different lens and willing Mm -hmm. to step out of your comfort zone. I mean, you know, most of us are afraid of the unknown. Well, not, I used to be. So most people are afraid of the unknown because the unknown, you don't really know what's going to happen next. It's scary. But if you keep doing the same thing over and over again, the known, then your life will never change. So taking a chance on yourself, I really, I'm very, very, very passionate because I've seen where it's taken me personal growth and believing in myself and implementing all the things that I've learned in my life and still implementing them. I'm a lifelong student. I love learning. I I read a new book every week. I love reading. I love feeding my mind and focusing on the positive of life. And also it all information is very important because it changes our perception. What, what are mm-hmm. you letting into your consciousness? Are you watching the news and feeling fearful? You know, I intentionally choose not to watch the news. Exactly. Very often. Yes. Yes. Like who are you listening to? Are you listening to people who are constantly complaining that something bad is going to happen to them? What are you eating? Are you eating food that is not, helping your consciousness rise. So it's, it's, it's the information that you're letting yes. into your system that's, that is currently building you up. It's either building you up or tearing you down. So um, I'm very passionate about getting that information out to, yes. to, to the world. And you're doing such a wonderful thing. Thank and you. Yes, yes. You're doing I, I only wish that my 18-year-old self understood that emotions drive life. The quality of your emotions determine the quality of your life. And you can generate positive emotions that will elevate your performance. And you can also elevate the performance of people around you. And if we can all do this, why not do it? I wish my 18 year old self knew this. Yes, because emotion is energy in motion. So it is so important to have a positive, but your emotions also come from your thoughts, your feelings, your thoughts. What thoughts are you harboring? Like, what are you consistently thinking about? Because what you're thinking about in the story that you're telling yourself, the emotions are getting emitted. It's being emitted from those thoughts that you're constantly playing. And then you're walking around with a negative view and perspective of how you see the world because we're all having our own individual experiences and those emotions that we're sending out is affecting the people that we bring into our personal space. Yes. And, 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 you know, if you're feeling negative, then you're going to attract negative experiences. So yes, emotions are very, very big. Whereas I personally love being around you because you I generate positive emotions with myself around you. Thank you. Same here as well. Same. Well, that's where we're here together. Yes. Able to make the world a better place. We're all here to somehow 
serve in whatever capacity that we're called we're called in to do, right? So it's all about serving and 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 meeting people where they are and and you know and helping them to to go further. So you are doing a wonderful thing. I absolutely enjoy the discussion that we're having. And so where can people where can people connect with you? How can they find you? So I'm on LinkedIn and I've got a website. My website is www.level3bydesign.com. And I can send you this so you can put it in a post below your podcast. Absolutely. And then my LinkedIn is Keith Weedman. I'll send that link to you too. Okay. And then I do have something that I offer. It's a gift to you as a listener. And if you want it to, Nadine, you're welcome to receive it. And that gift is one way to affect positive change. And you'll learn this through a brief training with me. Awesome. Awesome. And, and, I, and can also, provide, I can provide a link for this training recorded. And you also have courses out there as well. Can you tap into yes. that a little bit? Like what you teach, of course, is the, what we just talked about. My favorite thing to teach has to do with feedback. Mm. We can either bring the best out of people people or the worst out of people with feedback. Mm -hmm. And typically, I know a lot of people that when it comes to constructive feedback, bring the worst out of others. Mm, and I true. love to teach people how to bring the best out of others, how to utilize constructive feedback to bring the best out of people. It's really the greatest gift we have to give to one another, constructive feedback, because yes. we can use that constructive feedback to elevate performance. Absolutely. I know when I was in the corporate world, I've come across plenty of managers who really didn't know how to give constructive feedback. So mm -hmm. what you're doing is absolutely amazing. A lot of leaders can use that information to build their employees up and, yeah. you know, just make the world a better place. So thank you so much for stopping by Keith. I really appreciate you. you. You are most welcome. I, I, you know, we can all learn something from each other. We're all in our own journey. It's a privilege. Together. Thank you so much for this privilege. Oh, you are most welcome. You have a wonderful, wonderful rest of your day. And thank you for listening to us today. Yes, yes. <laughs> Bye-bye, Keith. Thank you for listening to Universal Grace Podcast and being part of this amazing community. I consider each episode part of a lifelong conversation of you and I hanging out and helping each other rise to the top. If you enjoyed what you heard today, please share it with a friend. And of course, if you haven't already, subscribe, rate, and review the show on your favorite podcast player. So I'll see you on the next episode. But in the meantime, remember to head on over to universalgracepodcast.com and get some extra special resources that you won't find anywhere else. Thanks for listening and let love guide you.